The past two weeks have been filled with incredible turmoil and anguish. It started with the death of George Floyd after a Minneapolis police officer pressed his knee onto Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes as George Floyd gasped, I can't breathe. This was the latest in a long line of unarmed black men and women who have been killed in incredibly unjust ways over the past several years, some by police, others by civilians. And since the death of George Floyd, you all know that there have been many protests around our nation and even around our world, most of which have been peaceful demonstrations, but there has also been violent and destructive rioting and looting as well. And I don't know about you, but it can feel sometimes overwhelming to think about the realities behind the events of the last two weeks, the realities of injustice, of racism, of the abuse of power, the anger and pain of our black brothers and sisters, as well as the pain of police officers who are trying to do their jobs with professionalism, but who are viewed with suspicion and even in danger because of incidents like these. This past week, as I was absorbing all of this and praying about these events, I was also studying a passage of scripture that I was planning to preach on this Sunday. And as I was studying this passage, I kept hearing God speak to me about these very things through this passage. So although there is a part of me that, that wants to sort of push these realities off to the side and, and not speak about them and just focus somewhere else, I felt compelled this week after the events of the last two weeks and after the scripture that I was wrestling with, I felt compelled to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in sharing the message I have for you today. We've been going through a series on the Holy Spirit the past three weeks. And we've been looking at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in his upper room discourse on the night before he was crucified. And it's recorded in the Gospel of John, chapters 14 through 16. And we looked uh, at the beginning at, at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit's presence with us, his presence with believers. Then we looked at the Spirit's teaching. And then last week, we looked at the Spirit's testimony, his testimony through believers. And so today we're going to be turning to another role of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be looking at the Spirit's conviction. In this passage, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world. And that, that what that means is that he will show the world where it is wrong. And so I pray that, that God will give us the ears today to hear the Spirit's conviction against the world, and also to be open to the Spirit convicting our own hearts as well. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 16. I'll be reading verses 5 through 15. And so in John 16, Jesus says this, He says, But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. 
But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, guide us into all the truth. Make known to us what you have received from Jesus. Glorify Jesus, even as you speak to us of your work of convicting the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Verses 8 through 11 of the text that I just read for you are challenging verses. They're challenging to even understand completely. And so I was wrestling with these verses this past week, and there was a part of me that was tempted to want to to sort of gloss over them and focus elsewhere in this passage. But as I began to try to dig into these verses and understand them more fully, I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to focus actually here on those verses, verses 8 through 11. And specifically, I felt called to think about how do these verses apply to our current situation, about what has been going on in our nation and our city in the last two weeks. So verse 8 of our text says this, When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. The he in this verse is talking about the advocate or the spirit of truth or the Holy Spirit. And we've seen the Holy Spirit be referred to by these different names, even in the earlier passages. And Jesus here uh, lifts up a particular role that the Holy Spirit will have he says, when he comes, and which is pointing ahead to the day of Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit came upon those early believers in Jerusalem that we looked at last Sunday. And so Jesus says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about three things. Now, the Greek verb that is translated here as to prove wrong is also sometimes translated in, in other translations to convict. And the general idea of this, this word is that, that the Holy Spirit will point out what is wrong with the world with the intent of convicting the world so that people might repent. And so Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will do this about three things in particular. And then he goes on to expand on each of 
these things in the following three verses. So what I want to do today is to look at each of those three things that Jesus lifts up here, that he says that the Holy Spirit will show and prove that the world is wrong about these three things. So the first thing, he says that the Holy Spirit will convict or prove the world to be in the wrong about is sin. So what does the world have wrong about sin? Well, there are all kinds of things that the world has wrong about sin. The world often talks about things that God clearly says are sin and, and says that actually, no, they're, they're fine. They're good. There are other things that God says are good that the world looks down upon or says is wrong. But this past week, again, as I was reflecting on this verse, in, all, in light of all this, what's been happening, I started to wonder, how is the Holy Spirit proving the world to be wrong when it comes to a particular sin, to the sin of racism? How does the Holy Spirit show that the world is wrong about the sin of racism? What does the Spirit say about this reality of racism in our world? When I look out at the world, I hear two conflicting messages about the sin of racism. There, there are two messages that I feel like the world gives different parts of the world. So on the one hand, I hear this message from, from some parts of the world that says, racism, it's exaggerated. It's not such a big deal. You know, this sort of message says that, that people of color are reading race into things when it isn't really there. And they're actually creating more of a problem by talking about race. This perspective tends to see racism as something that only applies to certain individuals who are blatantly hateful in their words and actions. And so maybe the two men who killed Ahmaud Arbery when he was jogging, Maybe they're racist, or maybe the police officer who killed George Floyd is racist. But, but these are exceptions, and, and they're, they're really, it's not as big of a problem as, as people make it out to be. And so this sort of message tends to say that you know, those who say that there are bigger, deeply ingrained systemic problems, and that racism can even be expressed in unintentional, subtle kinds of ways, they're, they're just blowing things out of proportion. And so this is one message that we, that we can get from the world, from some parts of the world, that says racism is, it's exaggerated. Now, another message that we hear from others in the world is that racism is unforgivable. This perspective takes racism so seriously that it condemns and cancels anyone who might express an opinion that could possibly be viewed as racist. It has no patience for listening to people who don't understand or who might disagree. It is on the lookout to pounce on anything that isn't phrased just right, that might express a privileged perspective. And there is no room for grace or mercy or forgiveness. Once you have been labeled as a racist, you are done. There is no redemption, no room for dialogue. And so another, this other message from the world is that racism is unforgivable. Now, I have seen both of these messages expressed in the past two weeks. There are some who 
might acknowledge the evil of what happened specifically to George Floyd, but they don't want to talk about the broader reality of racial inequality that might be behind this, that, that this might actually point to. And there are others who are just not interested in talking to anyone who doesn't understand why this particular incident is indicative of broader issues in our society. And so anyone who doesn't already get it is just kind of written off, unfriended, cast into the outer darkness. So how does the Holy Spirit prove that the world is wrong in both of these perspectives? That the world is wrong about these two different messages that, that, that we hear about the sin of racism. Well, on the one hand, the Bible's understanding of sin is that it is way more ingrained and embedded in our hearts than we realize. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you've heard it said, don't murder. But I say that if you are angry with your brother, you're guilty. In Romans 14, verse 23, says anything that does not come from faith is sin. So the sin of racism is, it's not just something that only applies to members of the KKK or neo-Nazis and therefore just exaggerated. No, there are many ways that racial bias and even unconscious assumptions and prejudices based on race can creep into our thinking and that can come out of our words and even out of our actions. I grew up in a suburban town on Long Island. And my school and my neighborhood had some racial diversity, but both were definitely majority white. I had some friends who weren't white, and my parents had taught me that no race is better than another. But I remember the first time that I went over to a friend's house that was in a neighborhood that wasn't majority white. And I had this sort of greater nervousness. I worried a little bit about my safety. Now, I didn't know anything about the crime statistics of that neighborhood, and I didn't know the individuals who lived there. But I had a biased view of the people in that neighborhood, and it was based on their race. I am embarrassed to admit that now, but it's true. Somehow I had absorbed that unconscious bias about race that affected the way that I felt when I went into a particular neighborhood. You know, we all grow up with different biases and, and assumptions that are tied to race. And some of these assumptions are so subtle that we may not even be fully conscious of them. But they are real. And they are examples of the sin of racism. That's right. Racism is a sin. It is a reflection of the brokenness of humanity. When we judge people differently, we, we treat people differently based on the color of their skin. And we can do this in subtle ways. And it's true whether we want to admit it or not. And for many people, we don't want to admit this because of that second message from the world that racism is unforgivable. And so we don't want to be judged or condemned. And so we deny 
We make excuses when, when we are confronted with the possibility that what we've said or, or thought may be slightly affected by racism. But the Holy Spirit proves the world wrong about that second message too, because the Bible and Jesus proclaims that any sin, including racism, can be forgiven. Now, why? what is the reason that Jesus gives for why the world is wrong about sin? Why does the world get it wrong? Why does the world get the sin of racism wrong? Well, in verse 9, he explains that it is because people do not believe in me. You see, when you don't believe in a Savior who has died on the cross to pay for all your sin, then, yeah, you don't want to admit that you might have racism in your heart. Because if you did, then you're going to be condemned. Or if you don't believe in a Savior who has forgiven all your sin, then you could also tend to condemn others for their racism and to come down hard on them because you haven't experienced forgiveness yourself. Those who have been forgiven much will also forgive others. And so if you do believe in Jesus, then that changes everything. You can admit when you've thought something or said something that reveals racial bias or prejudice because Jesus has already paid for that sin. You don't need to deny or excuse your sin. You can freely confess it. And you will also mourn over it and repent of it because you can trust that Jesus' blood covers you. And if you believe in Jesus, then you can also forgive the racism you see in others. Because you know that you are also in need of God's forgiveness. And because you want that other person to experience Jesus' forgiveness too. You want them to be saved, to repent, and to be forgiven. And you see, this is why the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. So that people will acknowledge their sin and repent of it and believe in Jesus and receive his forgiveness. Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit may bring that conviction through another person who may confront you with your sin. How do you respond when that happens? When someone brings up something that you said or something that you posted on social media or a way that you treated someone, do you get defensive? Do you lash out against them? Or are you open to the Holy Spirit's correction, which is designed not to condemn you, but to lead you to repentance and forgiveness? So this is the first area that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of and shows the world is wrong about the way that they see sin, the sin of racism. Now, the second thing that Jesus says in in these verses 
that the Holy Spirit will prove the world wrong about is righteousness. Righteousness is talking about being right, being in the right, being just. So how is the world wrong about righteousness? How is the world wrong about what it means to be called right? Well, one of the primary messages that the world gives about righteousness, about how to be right, is that we must work hard to achieve righteousness. That if we do enough good deeds, if we work hard enough for justice, if we fight for what's right, then we will be seen as righteous. We will achieve righteousness. And this can be seen in in this area that we've been talking about today of racism. You know, on the one hand, there are some people who loudly announce, I'm not racist. I don't have a racist bone in my body. And they will point out the black friend that they have, or they'll talk about being colorblind, or they'll point to various things that they've done to prove their righteousness, to prove that they aren't racist. Now, on the other end of the spectrum are those who know that all of those things actually fall way short of not being racist. They know that that racism is systemic and that the answer is not trying to be colorblind because you need to actually acknowledge the very real and different experiences of people of different races. The reality is that our world has differences and People of different races experience the world differently because of that. And so, but from this angle, true righteousness is only found if you are woke enough. If you are actively fighting against racism through protests or political action, and you need to read enough books and listen to enough podcasts until you can earn your anti-racist certification. But the problem with both of these approaches is that you can never be righteous enough. There will always be someone who says you're not anti-racist enough, that, that you need to speak out more or protest more or post something else or meet this unattainable standard that you can never quite reach. You see, the problem with the world's understanding of righteousness is that it will always lead either to shame or to pride. That it can lead to shame if you feel like you're not meeting that standard. You're trying, you're trying to show that you are righteous and you keep falling short and so you're filled with shame. Or it leads to pride if you think that you have reached it, that that yes, you've done it, you have achieved enough, but the problem is then you look down on others who haven't, and you're filled with arrogance and superiority and pride and disdain. But the Holy Spirit proves the world wrong about this understanding of righteousness. You see, the Bible proclaims no one is righteous, not even one. But there is hope because of what Jesus says about this area of righteousness in verse 10. He says that the Holy Spirit will will prove the world wrong about righteousness because, he says, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. 
Jesus here is speaking about what he was about to do, to die on the cross, to rise from the dead, and to ascend into heaven to be with the Father. And because Jesus did that, there is now righteousness available to you and to me. It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus was perfectly righteous. And he came and died and rose again in order to credit his righteousness to those who trust in him. And so my righteousness doesn't depend on what I have done or what I haven't done. It depends on what Christ has done for me. And when I recognize that, guess what happens? It frees me from trying to prove how righteous or how non-racist I am. Instead, it allows me to love my neighbor freely. Because I no longer have to focus on myself in making myself look good, but instead I can have my focus elsewhere, outside of myself, to others, to those who are hurting. And in order to do that well, though, to love my neighbor well, which I am now free to do, it means learning about racism. It means confronting the racism in my own heart. It means asking for forgiveness from people that I may have hurt through assumptions I've made or comments I have made. It means deleting hurtful or insensitive posts or comments that I have made on social media, blanketing people in certain ways. And it means looking for ways to proactively fight against racism and injustice in our society. I don't do these things to try to prove my righteousness to anyone. I don't do it because I have to, to earn something. No, I do these things instead as a way to genuinely love my neighbor, especially my neighbor who is hurting right now. Well, the third and final thing that Jesus says the Holy Spirit will prove the world wrong about is judgment. So what does the world have wrong about judgment? Well, first of all, the world basically rejects the idea of God's judgment at all. So many in our world see the idea of God's judgment as an outdated, offensive concept. And so as a result, the role of judge then ends up falling into our hands as humans. And then people taking on that role begin pronouncing judgment against each other. Some people make sweeping judgments against all police officers. And others make sweeping judgments against all protesters. Some people defend the abuse of power by police by judging and blaming the black victims, trying to paint their character in a negative light to somehow show that maybe they actually deserved this. Others defend the destruction of property by judging and blaming the authorities that have not brought change quickly or thoroughly enough. 
When people reject God as the judge and take judgment into our own hands, it always leads to greater division, oppression, and a cycle of ever-escalating conflict and violence, just like we've seen over the past two weeks. And there is someone in this world who loves when that happens. Satan, the devil. Jesus calls him the prince of this world in verse 11. See, the more that you understand about the sin of racism, the more you realize that it is demonic. It is satanic. That there is a spiritual dimension to the hold that racism has in our society and on the lives of individuals. And Satan loves it when we step into the place of God as judge and we begin to pronounce judgment against this group and that group and that person and this person. But Jesus says, the Holy Spirit proves the world wrong about how it sees judgment. And the specific thing that Jesus highlights in verse 11 is that the prince of this world now stands condemned. Jesus here is proclaiming that God alone is the judge and that he has judged the prince of this world. He has condemned Satan and all the forces of evil, sin, injustice, including racism. When Jesus died on the cross, he defeated all of those enemies and he will return again to bring about the final destruction of all evil and injustice when he comes again. And so our job as Christians is not to go into the world bringing our personal judgments against this group or that group Our job is to proclaim that all humanity is ultimately under the judgment of God. And that Jesus, though, has taken that judgment in our place so that all people can now be forgiven and free. And so we are invited under the kingship of Jesus. But his kingship is characterized in a certain way It is a kingdom of justice and of equality and of reconciliation and of forgiveness and of peace. And so there is no room for racism, injustice, or superiority in God's kingdom. So we are not called to judge, but we are called to proclaim God's kingdom and God's judgment against these evils in our world and to work for the end of these things through the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we close, how is the Holy Spirit convicting you today? Is your perspective on these three areas actually more reflective of the perspective of the world? Do you tend to see racism as exaggerated, that it's not that big of a deal, and why are people always complaining about it? Or do you see racism as as being just unforgivable, 
that you could that you're, you just banish anybody who who seems to be in that guilty of that. Do you think of your righteousness as something that you need to achieve and you need to prove to others that you need to show that you are righteous, that you are not racist? Do you think of judgment as something that you do need to pronounce against other people? Or can you embrace the fact that you might have more racism in your heart than you realize. As I have walked this journey myself, I have come to realize other, more layered, deeper ways that I have embraced certain attitudes that reflect the reality of racial disparity in our world. And and I've had to have my eyes opened in new ways to understand the injustice of systemic racism in our world. And I've had to humble myself and learn from others who, who are teaching me these things. Can we be willing to admit that maybe we don't see it all completely clearly right now? Can we be willing to admit that maybe we are broken much more deeply broken in this area than we even realize. And can you then embrace Christ's righteousness credited to you and stop trying to prove your own righteousness, that you are in the right? Are you willing to admit that maybe you're wrong and that you can trust in Christ's righteousness? And can you rest in the goodness of God's judgment, that Satan is defeated, that injustice will be no more, and that we can have hope because Christ has taken our judgment in our place. And so we are not the judge, but we can allow judgment to be in his, in his shoulders. And that we are called to proclaim his kingdom and to work for the fulfillment of that kingdom in the ways that the spirit leads us. I want to just say and admit that, that this is not an easy topic and, and I am an imperfect person. And there may be ways that even in this sermon that I have not spoken perfectly ways that maybe my words have gotten in the way. And, and you may be tempted right now to focus on something in this sermon that, that kind of rubbed you the wrong way. And maybe you've been even tempted to just kind of tune out because of a phrase that I said or or something that I said, or maybe something that I didn't say or, or didn't say in exactly the way that you wish that I had. But I want you just in this moment to set that aside for the moment. You can come and talk to me afterwards if there is. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to listen. But I want you right now at the end, at the end of the sermon, just for a moment, to honestly ask God to open your eyes to what he wants to teach you. To ask him, God, is, is there some way that I am blind? Is there some way that I am listening to the world's voice on, on thinking about racism or on thinking about righteousness or thinking about judgment? How is the Holy Spirit convicting you right now in this moment today? And as we sing our response song, give us clean hands. I want to invite you to allow that to be an opportunity to invite Jesus 
to cleanse us, to forgive us, give us clean hands, and to transform us from the inside out as we sang a little while ago. Let's pray. Lord, this is a hard topic, and I pray, Lord, that that my words will have not gotten in the way of your word going forward today. And so I pray that even those who are hearing this right now, Lord, that, that they would pause in this moment to listen to your spirit, to trust that your spirit is one who, who convicts us, who, who brings out the areas of sin in our lives, not to condemn us, but in order so that we can confess it and repent of it and be forgiven and so that we can then go out as changed people, as redeemed people, who can then bring that forgiveness to others and ask for forgiveness from others that we need to ask from. And so, Lord, do your work in us today, Holy Spirit. Convict us, bring us to repentance, and then remind us that we are forgiven and cleansed in Christ, and that our righteousness is in him alone that you have taken our judgment and we can rest in the fact that we are a part of your kingdom, your kingdom that is coming into this world, a kingdom that is full of justice and peace, reconciliation and grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.